Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us. This is a voice you probably haven't heard in a long time. Welcome back, a long, by the long way. time. Yeah, I'd like to start this episode with a, a big thank you to uh, me to podcasts Jason Wheeler <laughs> for driving the Yolitics bus while I was gone for a couple days. And you know, uh, I, you probably didn't listen to our last episode since you were you know way out in the middle of the the ocean there. I, I did, yeah, on the oh. beach. It's the best thing. You know, forget the the palm trees blowing and the uh, the waves <laughs> crashing to shore. I wanted to hear your voice while I was gone. You had your earbuds in uh, and and tuning out paradise uh, so that you could listen <laughs> in and and listen to me giving you. Um, uh, a little bit of a ribbing there, because I, if I recall, there was a lot of criticism of me uh, for going off to Hawaii and leaving you behind and, and being gone really? for seemingly forever. Uh, and then you up and did the same exact thing. I mean, <laughs> if you want to be like me, let's just have a side conversation. I'll I'll fill you. I, in I do want to like. be like you. Who's your hairdresser? <laughs> His name is Jason Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> What are you uh, What are you drinking today, man? Uh, well, I'm drinking, and and this bothers me because I, I feel like I have bleeding fingers right now because I tried to twist the top off of it, and they don't make them like they used to, or. I have become less strong uh, because I can't twist the top off this thing, and it's a domestic, so that's weird. Um, I think do, it's me. Do you remember the Do you remember the Seinfeld episode when uh, Jerry was dating that that woman? I can't think of who it was, but he offered her a beer and. And she opened it, uh, twisted it off. He's like, that's not a twist off. I think she had big hands or something like that. And she was super strong. Uh, odd thing about clearly me. You're, you don't, you, I don't, you don't have the strength. I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Seinfeld. Oh, this podcast. Well, no, no, no. Right. But here's why. Well, Let me explain. I used to work nights during that time. I worked nights as well, man. And that and was it's before been off the air DVRs. for 21 years. That was before it's DVRs. A- I'm, you know, I'm planning it's been off TV for a while. Yeah, I'm planning so, to go back and, and watch all of those because uh, the snippets I've seen are hilarious. I'm, it's been in syndication for 20 years. Man. I know. Go ahead, what are I, you I have a I have a, a, a big laundry list of to do items. Uh, so this appeared in my refrigerator. I did not buy it. Uh, it. It just appeared in my refrigerator and I don't turn things away that appear in my refrigerator. But it is a California beer this time uh, and it's called Joseph's Brow Hefeweizen. And I'm having to use a tool to open this because it uh, shredded my fingers. Jeez. How about you? Well, I, I too have a, uh, a, well, mine is, mine actually is a twist off. <laughs> How is it? You just, you made a, a sour face. No, it was good. That, that, that's good? the face I make when something's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Imagine I, when I, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a twist off as well too. And, and I'm drinking the very last one in my fridge. Oh, it's a yingling, yingling. a yingling lager. In light of Yingling finally coming to Texas, Yingling, of course, is the nation's oldest brewery. It's it's uh, didn't they drive the the recipe from from Pottsville, Pennsylvania, where they are from, down to Fort Worth? You know, I want to get them uh, on here ago. and talk to them. We've been trying to to meet. I think Jennifer Yingling is is one of the daughters or great granddaughters. Uh, I don't know how 
Yeah. I should know how far back this goes. Jennifer, but if you're listening, we, we want to get y'all on and, and I talk think Jennifer to you. is listening. She's probably a big fan of, of, she's of, uh, of Yaltics here. We'll have to make sure we get her Yaltics koozie. <laughs> Do we uh, have when those? We, when we go over there. <laughs> I didn't know we oh, had you didn't those. get any of those? You didn't get any I did of not. Um, we have a uh, we we have a, a lot to talk about, and, and this is an early release. Normally, we release our podcasts every Tuesday, but here we are on uh, you know Thursday here, mm-hmm. first thing Thursday morning, and this one's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we feel like we have to because things are changing fast. I mean, if you've been keeping up with the news in Texas right now uh, regarding schools opening up, I mean, we just decided we've got to do an emergency episode on this because uh, things are changing so quickly at the local level with a bunch of these different districts and counties uh, defying Governor Abbott's order uh, banning mask mandates across the state because all of these localities are watching their hospitals fill up right now to critical levels and they're thinking you know we got to do whatever we can right now to stop the spread of this delta variant and we know that a lot of parents out there are really nervous about what this school year is going to look like and so uh, we have gotten two superintendents here in the state uh, to to talk to us about what is going on and it is moving fast jason it, it is moving fast. And, you know, right now, I, I think the, the list is probably changing. It may have changed since we recorded this a few hours ago. But the list was Austin ISD, mm-hmm. which is defying the governor's order. Dallas ISD, Fort Worth ISD. This Later this evening, Thursday evening, is when uh, Houston ISD considers it. Uh, San Antonio ISD and a few others ha- have also voted to defy the governor's order and require masks for students uh, in school. Some starting uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Um, but when, when school returns, that's that's the plan for so many of these districts, because their argument is we're an independent school district. So we should have some independence from from, uh, you know, the, the governor's mandate on this. But more importantly, I think the, their argument also is unlike adults or people 12 and older, uh, middle schoolers and elementary age kids are not eligible for the virus and are therefore the at risk. The, the they're eligible for the virus. We're all right? eligible for the virus. Yeah, we're all eligible for that. the vaccine. Thanks for the correction there. They're not eligible for the vaccine uh, yet. Maybe later this year, maybe early next year. So that's the reason these school districts are saying, hold on a second. Let us decide here, because some of these districts might have more vulnerability than others. Um, so that's why they're trying to, to seize back local control, which, of course, has been a huge uh, argument for years, uh, you know, dating back to uh, uh, you know, for a long time, but definitely I'm thinking in North Texas, uh, what, 10, 12 years ago when, when all the drilling started, when they wanted to drill constantly and, and local cities like Denton, Denton County said, no, no, you can't drill up here because we're, we're developing subdivisions. And the, the state said, no, you can drill wherever you want to oil drillers. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's an issue that's been, that's been going on for a while, but now this presents a, a new argument and a new situation, a political situation for Governor Abbott. And as of this recording, he has not directly come out and addressed this. He's had his spokesperson say, don't defy the governor's orders or other ways to handle this, but we are still waiting to hear exactly from him. But getting to your point, Jason, we do have two guests on our program today, both on the line here with us. And these are superintendents from two different Uh, school districts across the state. One has decided to go ahead and ban uh, or to require masks. And the other school district has not yet sure what they want to do. So our first guest is Dr. Stephanie Elizade. She is a superintendent at Austin ISD. And and Stephanie, thanks for being here. 
Take us inside the decision you made this week to defy the governor's order. Well, while the decision um, certainly was made this week, um, it has been something that's been in discussion for at least two weeks. Uh, Quite frankly, as soon as the July 4th uh, break, if you will, came around, we started to see numbers climbing in the city of Austin and Travis County. And so those were things that were already, my head was already starting to spin because we've seen how this virus has, has changed. Um, and, and it is one of those that it's day to day, which I know drives everybody crazy. I know it drives our parents crazy. It drives our staff crazy. And trust me, it's driving me crazy too, for sure. But, you know, it's one of those where you really do have to sit back for a minute and you have to ask yourself, um, what is the best course of action? Because in, in, and I know I've said this on, on other uh, talks, we live in a very complex society and, and I'm glad we live in a society where we can express different opinions. I think that's important, right? To hear and to listen and to uh, really think about these things in a critical way. At the same time, we also have to recognize that um, we have to balance out what we call freedom along with safety. And um, so really having to, to balance out what I think should be a, a more direct decision just based on data, based on science, based on all of the overwhelming medical experts and what they have said to us, I can't just like discount it and just discount it because it's going to make a decision unpopular. Um, and so putting all of that together and then asking ourselves, how do we enact it? How do we, you know, the critical question, what are you going to do when you get challenged? Like we walked through all of those, those issues. And then we asked ourselves, what is what we think is the right thing to do? How do we keep people safe? And I said earlier, um, if I err, I would rather have erred because I was overly cautious. If someone ultimately says, see, this wasn't necessary. Honestly, I can live with someone telling me, I told you so in that way, as opposed to we, heaven forbid, we lose a life. That, that is just something that I'm not willing to take a chance on. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, like I said, I'd rather be wrong in one direction than on the other. Dr. Elizalde, it seems like uh, people have calcified in their positions uh, all these months into the pandemic here. And, um, you know, we've had this order from the governor that you are not allowed to do mask mandates at the local level. It's been in place for a long time. And then this Delta variant just started marching through Texas. And I mean, it's just it, it's still going. Um, when you made this decision on Monday, it's it sort of at the same time, uh, you all in I, Austin ISD and in Dallas ISD became the first two big lightning rods to go up and go, you know what, we're going to defy this order. We're defying this, uh, you know, directive from the governor. What has the response been like after that? Because like I said, people have their positions so firmly here. What has the response been like since? Yeah. Um, Thanks for such an important question, Jason. Um, Overwhelmingly, the response has been actually extremely supportive, Um, even with some of the individuals who don't necessarily agree. They've started some of their communication, for instance, emails I've received with, I know you're in an impossible situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, they go on to express what their perspective is. 
And I, I'm, I'm hopeful. That gives me hope that we can work through this. This has never been intended. I, I do want to clarify two things it's never been intended to do. It has never been intended to be permanent. This is a moment of crisis, and it's a response to that crisis. Um, the second thing, it was never meant, uh, and it's still not meant. Um, and if you, if you do follow the way I have spoken, I'm, I'm not excited that I'm defying a governor's order. Uh, I have, as an educator, frankly, in many instances, we're rule followers, right? I mean, that's what we did as classroom teachers. We create expectations of behaviors and outcomes. And so by nature, I'm a rule follower. So for me to have done this, anyone who really knows me knows that this was something that I was like, this really is not something I wanted to do. It was something that I needed to do. And those that parents uh, who have voiced their opposition, um, we, we want to work with each of those individually. I do not want to do a one size fits all. I don't want to get into a, a, a conflict that creates a lose lose situation. These are our children. At the end of the day, it's the children who have to actually endure our decisions. And so I am still confident that we can work parent by parent, student by student to nuance some of the responses rather than giving just like an edict. This is what we're going to do. I know everyone wants me to say that. We're not going to do that. We're human beings. We're individuals. We all have different opinions. And I think Austin will be able to demonstrate that we can get through conflicts in a way that respects all of the different perspectives. If it's not permanent, how long do you expect it to last? Well, right now, I think we, we have to get through this particular surge. Um, and how long will that be? You know, it's, it's one of those like ask the virus, um, which, you know, I, I don't mean that lightly. It's that we don't know what it's going to do. So right now, certainly while we're in stage five, uh, I think it would be irresponsible for us to not be expecting all of us to be wearing masks inside our buildings, inside our classrooms for the health of everyone I think the message still has to be, which I don't want to get away from, vaccinations are still the safest way for us to get out of this pandemic. And we have a whole group of individuals under the age of 12 that are not eligible for that. And I know people want to talk about, well, there are very few deaths in, a, in the United States, you know, overall due to COVID and all of those that did occur had, you know, comorbidities. Honestly, as a mom and you all as parents, I could not say to you, well, there were very few. The statistics say it was a very small chance. What does that mean to you as a parent or an uncle or an aunt when I tell you that statistically, don't worry, statistically, when it's your child, your nephew, your sister, your brother, the statistics don't mean a whole lot. Yeah, a lot of parents are super nervous uh, about their kids going back to school this time around. And and this was supposed to be the year, Dr. Elizalde, that it all kind of got, quote unquote, back to normal again. Uh, you all uh, sort of bucked convention in another way at AISD in offering virtual learning. Uh, that, of course, too, that, you know, the, the governor had said that we're not going to you know, do this. And so basically y you all take on the expense as a district instead of getting the money from the state to set up this sort of second track. Can you talk a little bit about how many people signed up for that and what you've seen 
now that you have put the mask mandate into effect because some of the people have decided, hey, I was going to you know, have my kid virtually learn. Now I feel better about them going to school. Yes, and I do want this to be a balanced response because I, I do work hard to ensure that I'm um, taking actions that do match that I want to hear dissenting opinions as well. Um, and so first, we did see We've had over 7,000 applications to our virtual learning um, with about roughly 4,500 in district. Because as you recall, I was I was getting emails from parents in dire situations. And I said to our team, if there's any way we can even serve a student who may not reside in our district, maybe we can. Right now, we have to take care of our students first. But at the end of the day, as an educator, as a teacher at heart, they're all my kids. That, that's what we do as educators. So um, as of yesterday, I would say about four o'clock, we had approximately now over 400 families who had elected to switch from the virtual platform back into a face-to-face because they were feeling a little more comfortable hmm. with us requiring masks. Now, there are also emails I'm getting from parents who are saying they are going to unenroll because um, we are requiring masks. I'm going to do everything we can to help them retain. I want them to stay in our district. This has never been about, you know, well, fine, if you don't want to be here. That, that's not who we are. Um, and again, we're going to nuance each of those. So we've seen a few that have said they are going to leave because of the requirement. And we are going to reach out and work with them to see if we can convince them to please hang with us at least two weeks. Let's see if we get out of stage five, then maybe the mask requirement won't be necessary. I want to manage expectations. I don't want someone to, well, you said it would only be two weeks. It is really difficult. None of us have a crystal ball. I wish I did because certainly I would be making decisions that would appear much better to the public. I I don't like to appear like we're not, that we don't know what we're doing, but I have been also encouraged by the number of families that have said they're a little more comfortable and have returned because we do know the other message. We do know that face-to-face, even with masks, is still the best way for our students to learn for over 98% of our students. Take us inside the decision that uh, went into effect on Wednesday. Did on Monday, on Sunday, on, on Saturday, were, 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 was your phone constantly on charge? Were you talking to lawyers, other superintendents? Did you call the TEA? Did you call the governor's office? Give us an idea of kind of where you were, because you mentioned how you know heavily this has weighed on you. I think this is a multiple, multiple choice question, Jason, that you've just given me, because it's like all of the above, you know, with probably the exception being that I did not specifically reach out to the governor's office because we have heard so many statements and new, essentially new executive orders that have repeated the previous order. So I'm I'm pretty sure that we are all clear on what his uh, stance was. And I at the end of the day, I don't even think this is about masks. I actually think this is about local control Mm. Um, because what may be right in Austin ISD may not be right in in Lubbock or or in Pampa or in Roscoe, Texas or in Midland. This is about our locally elected officials to a school board and the fact that the state constitution thought that public school was so important, they were going to delegate and create ISDs 
so that there would be a local influence to the way in which processes were, were actually implemented in school districts. And so I also want to be sure that what I am not saying is that this is what is right for everyone. Um, and, and so we did all of the above. My phone and my emails and texts have been with, uh, certainly I have visited with Dr. Michael Linojosa. Um, certainly I've visited with other superintendents, particularly those of the Texas Urban Council. We have a group kind of chat that we all kind of help each other out on some of these issues, whether we agree or disagree, to just inform each other of what our processes are. We've certainly visited with our attorneys, both inside um, general counsel as well as outside counsel. Um, I've did, read studies. Did anybody say this is a bad idea? You shouldn't do it? Just just go along, get along? I have to be honest. I, I really didn't hear that. Um, certainly I've heard it after the fact from some of our parents, although I do want to say one other thing on July the 26th, we held a, a special board meeting to discuss ESSER funds and where we were at that time also with COVID because things were already starting to heat up, um, with the data. And there were callers that evening in our public comment, um, and 100% of those callers were all in speaking that they wanted to make sure we did not require masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had heard from that contingent uh, group as well, uh, even though the other night, because we had so many callers for the Monday night meeting, we were only able to take the first 60, which happened to all be in favor of requiring masks. Um, <clears throat> So no one has said it's a bad idea. Everyone has said, let's work through what the consequences may be. As politically charged as this has been, uh, though, how crucial was that network of superintendents across the state talking to each other constantly, texting each other? Uh, Because, I mean, you're sort of in uncharted territory here, as you say, you're rule followers. And here you are just, you know, telling the governor, no, we're not going to do what you say. How crucial is it to have all of the support of of your uh, colleagues there at that level? Well, I I first want to acknowledge um, the leadership of... um, Houston Superintendent Millard House II, who announced it, that he was putting it on for a vote this week, followed by the leadership of Dr. Michael Hinojosa, who, no secret, I worked for Dr. Hinojosa for many years and consider him uh, a mentor. Uh, And so visiting um, and talking amongst us superintendents, you know, it's like any other position. You don't know what it's like unless you're in those shoes. And sometimes no one else understands it except other superintendents. Um, I also had conversations with a couple of superintendents, uh, at least one out of uh, Florida, Mm. um, because they're in some similar situations. So uh, I'm also very fortunate that I can I can reach out to Dr. Barbara Jenkins in in Orange County, Florida, um, and utilizing all of these individuals who also are very experienced, far more than I am. Is, is invaluable. Mm. And, and it allows us also a place in which we can vent so that when we are serving, we have allowed ourselves to ensure that we're not letting emotions drive um, the decision making, um, but rather that we're really focused in on, you know, we're data driven individuals when you think about academic outcomes and how we make adjustments to instruction. Well, we got to use that data when we make other decisions as well. We don't get to pick and choose when we want to look at the data. Still, when you did this, did you did you have butterflies? Uh, did you lose some sleep the night before? 
You know, uh, it's interesting you say that, Jason. I actually talked to the the principals several weeks ago, and and my opening was, you know, I have butterflies like I always do at the beginning of a school year. It it's always new for me, and 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 it's actually a measuring stick of when you've done this too long. That day you get up at the beginning of a school year and you don't have those butterflies. Maybe it's time for you to think about something else. But this time, I have to be honest, the butterflies are different. They, they, it's not a feeling of just elation. There's also this feeling of honestly, a little bit of sickness, like, you know, sick to your stomach because you're carrying so much responsibility. And I, I, I have to remind everybody, we certainly, I do not enjoy people being mad at me. I, I, I don't enjoy that. That's not something that, um, that we work to do. And, and so knowing that it's going to come, Right. Like, you know, you're going to make a decision and, you know, you are going to have some people that are going to be upset that are not going to understand your decision. And some of them are going to be very angry and some of them are going to make it very personal. And it is like waiting for the shoe to drop. And so the butterflies felt very different. I had it was almost like two sets of butterflies, the butterflies that were like, all right, and then I'm going to change the analogy. And then it was like moths. You know, and, and so I don't even know if that makes sense. But. <laughs> no, <it does>. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think we all understand the Moss yeah. reference. Yeah. As of this recording, Governor Abbott still has has not uh, directly addressed what's going on with school districts uh, across the state re- revolting. But but I'm curious, what what do you expect him to say? Well, I think we got a glimpse of that yesterday, just in the general statement, you know, that was made. That By was a spokesperson, in, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I certainly don't ever think that I can try to project what the what the governor is going to say or think or act. Um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that he, too, will hear the voices of all of us. I mean, since Monday after Dallas announced and then I announced, you've seen that we've had San Antonio through a slightly different way, but we've got San Antonio ISD and other San Antonio districts after the city and the county um, were successful with a TRO. Um, I've heard Fort Worth has also uh, going. It sounds like there's a few, certainly I have a few districts around me that may be smaller, but very important as well. Del Valley is considering it. Maynard is put it on their agenda. So I think what you're seeing is that what we're asking is just let us make the decisions at our local level and let a, let our local level hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. That There's a reason, in my opinion, um, that I'm not an elected official. And there's a reason why there's a board of elected officials who oversee and hire me. And if I'm not meeting their expectations as representatives of our local community, then I think they have the responsibility to do something about whether I stay employed or not. And I think our community gets to vote for those individuals. So I think we have a very strong process. And so I would ask the governor um, with all due respect and all due humbleness, please let independent school districts utilize their local control that has been given to them by the state constitution because public education is so important. But let's rewind just one little bit here back to that statement that came from his office. And this was directly at AISD. 
And something stood out to me uh, in that one paragraph that they sent, and I'm betting it stood out to you too, and I just want to get your, your thoughts about it. He says, you're not only violating a governor's order, you're violating parents' rights by requiring masks. Did that part jump out at you? Well, it jumped out at me from the from the from the fact that I recognize that that is what I've been hearing from the parents who have a dissenting opinion, if you will, of my decision. But I also recall that throughout my entire formal training and being in this business, there is a section called in local parentis, which actually means that in some instances we are supposed to be in place of a parent. And when you consider that we do create expectations like dress codes, we do have the opportunity to ensure that we create an environment that is healthy and safe for everyone. And, you know, my dad used to tell me as I was growing up, um, as, a, as a teenager in particular, you know, and I'm like, we live in America, I should be able to express my opinions. I was going through my little rebellious phase. And I remember my dad saying something to the effect of, Stephanie, your right of expression or freedom cease to exist when they begin to affect the freedoms and the safety of others. And that's something that has resonated with me because what he's asking me and the way he, my parents raised me is, just because you have a right to an expression, if it can have a negative effect on someone else, then you really have to reel that a little bit back in. And, and so it isn't cut and dry and, and it isn't going to be an absolute. And we're going to be stuck in this position for a little while until we all work together to ensure that we lower the COVID cases because this is affecting everything, not just covid this is affecting whether there's a hospital bed ready for someone who needs uh, a surgery that's imminent, that is needing dialysis treatment, that is came from a terrible car accident. I mean, this is much bigger than just an argument, in my opinion, of just mask wearing. All great points. I, I know this is, well, you know, weighing heavily on you and, and uh, it's certainly not over with, but we certainly appreciate you taking the time, Dr. Elizaldi. Thank you all for doing this. We appreciate uh, following you all and look forward to a day when we can have some conversations about where we have come out, out of this darkness into the light. Amen to that. And and best of luck to you and, and all the staff, the teachers, the students there at AISD uh, in this school year. And here's hoping that uh, we can get rid of those moths and just get back to good old butterflies in the stomach again. Amen. Thank you both. So that's Austin ISD, and and the decision, it was a tough decision, but it was a quick decision that was made earlier this week. It's not as quick. There's a lot of other variables for other school districts, including a huge one uh, in San Antonio and Bear County. But before we listen to the superintendent there, let's hear a word from our sponsors.
Okay, so we heard from Dr. Elisalde from uh, Austin Independent School District uh, just a moment ago about the decision that they made. Uh, again, they were one of the first lightning rods to go up here in the state, defy the governor's order on uh, banning mask mandates on in schools. Uh, a lot of other districts have been watching what these big districts are doing. Uh, a lot of eyes are on Houston ISD, which Thursday evening could decide to do the same thing. And of course, HISD is the largest district in the state. It helps these different districts that there is sort of a momentum, that there is a movement here, that there are a number of them uh, who are openly defying the governor's orders here. And so we wanted to bring in uh, someone who is in process on this, uh, who can kind of tell us, you know, how do you weigh this? How do you go forward with this? Because, again, it's uncharted territory for so many of these districts to just go against what the governor is telling them to do. And so we we got uh, Brian Woods, Dr. Brian Woods on the line from Northside Independent School District there in San Antonio and, and Bear County. And uh, I guess my first question to you, Dr. Woods, welcome uh, to, to the, the podcast. My first question to you is when you see places like AISD and DISD in Dallas making this decision, does it change your calculus there? Does it put some pressure or does it uh, uh, make it a little bit easier for you to sort of do the same thing? Yeah, I, you know, I think I want to be careful with saying, you know, it's three o'clock on August the 10th because by 415, you know, the, the landscape may be different. So, so I ought to be, you know, careful in saying that the, I think the answer to the question is yes. I think folks willingness to say, hey, we're just not going to follow that uh, does change the calculus to a degree. Um, we're, where we are is kind of looking at both legal options as well as political options, because I think there's movement perhaps to be made on both sides. Uh, there are open legal questions about uh, the governor's mandate. Frankly, here in Bear County, there's the possibility that within by the time we finish this conversation, there will be a local mandate that um, because the city and the county perhaps have won a TRO that will go the other direction and actually mandate masks in schools to be to be really clear. And I've been trying to lay this out to my uh, trustees over the last few days. I'm not to be honest, I'm not a big fan of blanket mandates one way or the other that we should not have masks or that we should have masks. I think that we ought to have some local control to look at what's going on in the city and the county, and then to look at what's going on in our individual schools. So for instance, in the, in the spring, in say April, uh, we, have, we have 20 middle schools, fiction to have 21. And, and at two of those middle schools, we had three dozen cases going at one time. And so you can see a reasonable position being, hey, at these two schools, we're going to mandate masks for a two or three week period of time while this settles down and we're really going to protect people. But at a school with zero cases where folks are following protocols, then I, I think we could go a little lighter there. Right. And so I'm trying to come up with a more nuanced approach, to be honest. But there's a lot to be investigated. Where are the legalities? Where does it line up against the governor's order? Where does it line up against a potential local order that would essentially be a mandate in the other direction. So I, I know that's a long answer to a short question, but it's gotten pretty complicated. And frankly, it gets more complicated as the hours go by. 
Well, I'm curious of how much of a distraction that causes as you're about to head into a school year here and you're, you're herding cats. You've got so many other things going on. How distracting is that to not have this nailed down? Yeah, it's it, it, well, and I want to say it is exactly as distracting as the exact same time a year ago, frankly, where we were flying the, the plane and building it at the same time. Um, and that is frustrating. Right. Here we are in mid-August. We're still making these rather basic decisions about who has control over these decisions? What are the decisions going to be? When will they be announced? You know, and imagine if it's distracting to us, how concerning that is to teachers and parents who are going to end up being the tip of the sword on whatever gets decided by whatever, you know, public official. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, I hope you can sense the frustration in my voice, frankly, it's, it's pretty frustrating uh, for us to still be dealing with this, um, and you know, it's funny, I, I was right before I got on with, with you all, I'm trying to write remarks for what I'm going to say to a large virtual gathering of staff, um, in less than a week, I, honest to God, I don't know what I'm going to say, you know, at least on this topic, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And you talk about how fast things are moving. I, I saw a news report in San Antonio uh, that had a statement from from your spokesperson there that said that uh, NISD has no current plan to mandate the use of face masks. Things are obviously moving pretty fast here. You, you mentioned when Jason asked the first question uh, about there are legal options and political options. Walk us through what the legal options are, what the political options are as you weigh both of these. So I, when I think about the legal options, there there are clearly, you know, you got to look at the governor's mandate and you say, OK, what are the consequences if we were to make a decision to mandate masks at some or all schools? There are there are clearly mentions of consequences in the governor's order. And we've got to look, look and see what is the what are those consequences and how broadly might they be applied? So, for instance, if the consequence were a one thousand dollar fine to me or to the school district, we ignore that essentially and go on down the road. If, on the other hand, those consequences apply to every staff member, I can't have staff members paying $1,000 fines. I can't have custodians and teachers and child nutrition workers subject to a criminal penalty. That's not a place I'm going to put those people. So, so that's an example of a legal question that I think is still out there. On the political side, what what I think a lot of us who have relationships with members of the legislature and statewide officials are asking is, is behind the scenes, is there any room for, for movement on this front? Or is the answer absolutely no? In which case we have to look at what Dallas and Austin and Houston have done. Right. Uh, but I don't want to give up on, is there room for movement uh, on that front uh, before we just know the answer is no. What, what are you hearing from your back channels, though? Is there any any room for movement back there? I don't want to burn people who have got confident, the confidence of I, I'll, what I'll say is I don't nobody's told me absolutely no yet. And so until I feel like I've got a hard no, we continue to work that end of it. Um, and and if and when we get a hard no, then that obviously gives us more information than we have today and helps us decide how to act. If the if you end up going forward, not able to mandate masks at a campus level, what do you do? How do you tell parents and teachers and students uh, that they're going to be safe? I know that you probably put a lot of measures in place here, but so much of this is going to be on the honor system, you know, where we're asking people to 
sort of, you know, sit themselves out at home if, if they're not feeling good. How does this impact your COVID mit- mitigation strategy? Yeah, it's obviously a hindrance. You know, there's no question about that. And and we we can and will, if if it's our only option, strongly recommend masks. We'll send regular reminders. We'll try to have staff model for students. We'll try to have leadership model for campus staff. You know, we'll do everything we can in that regard. The other, I guess the other way to answer that question is that while masks are an important part of a mitigation strategy, they're not the only element, right? There are other things that we can and will do. Everything from how we clean buildings to how often we clean buildings, distancing where we can, having kids be outside as much as they can in those schools where we have some control over the level of fresh air in a building. We'll obviously ramp that up as we did all last year. So, so I guess what I don't want folks to come away with is it's either mass or we're unsafe, right? There are other things that can happen um, along the way. Unlike a lot of districts, we still plan to contact trace. We still plan to notify parents. We still plan to quarantine students who are in close contact. So again, there, I, I don't want folks to come away with mass are the only strategy. There are some other ways to try to make this better. Are masks important? Yeah, I believe they are. What was your reaction when you heard what what uh, Dallas announced on Monday and then what uh, uh, Stephanie Elizade from Austin ISD announced in Houston ISD? I mean, it, it seemed like everyone was was uh, doing this at once. What was your reaction there in San Antonio? Yeah, I think I don't know that I was terribly surprised, I, you know, kind of behind the scenes, this conversation of when it comes down to it, are we actually going to follow this mandate? It's been going on since uh what, mid-July, once we saw COVID really start to return in, in numbers in the in the urban areas of the state, that conversation's been going. I think it was somewhat coincidental and and because the many of those districts you mentioned start school very early in August. And so if they were going to make an announcement, frankly, they were running out of time to make an announcement in a in kind of a timely way and let families know before the school year begins. So this was a conversation among superintendents over the past yeah. few weeks, really? Yeah. I'm fortunate in that we're still two weeks away from the start of school, and so we still have a little bit of time to kind of process where we are. Uh, but if, I, if I'm if i Houston or Dallas and my schools start, uh, in some cases, last week, and in many cases yesterday, I was kind of running out of time logistically to go ahead and make an announcement. Let's talk about the raw politics uh, of this, if we can, uh, Dr. Woods, because uh, you know, Republicans have traditionally been known as a, a party that favors local control uh, for, for local officials to be able to make decisions based upon the events or the situation on the ground where they are. Uh, this uh, order from Governor Abbott prohibiting these mask mandates goes completely contrary to that. And, and I would just like to get your thoughts on that, because, you know, before you pursued the doctorate, I know that you uh, got your bachelor's degree there at the University of Texas in political science, of all things. Yes, back at a time where your original statement about who appreciates local control was more of a truth. Um, now I'm not sure anybody in state government appreciates local control. Um, the yeah, and and as you all, as you both know, this is not new, right? Um, as COVID became political in the late spring and summer of 2020. The issue of local control kind of went out the window, right? Um, for a while, there was this great debate between local health departments in the state, 
um, that got quashed. Um, and now there's this great debate between where do school districts fit in and making decisions for their own, uh, on their own. Um, I've told a couple of my trustees in, in the last couple of days, I said, you know, to be honest, I'm tired of folks who do not understand how schools work or how they operate or how we operated very successfully with kids in the building during the 2021 school year. People without that core knowledge mandating how we operate schools, whether that's in the governor's office saying you cannot mandate masks or perhaps in a local public health office saying you must. Um, and, and I guess <laughs> that's my take on it is let's let people who actually understand how schools operate and understand how all these protocols work together, um, make decisions about what's right for, for kids and staff. Um, and, and we haven't had a lot of that really haven't had it in what 15 months. Dr. Woods, legally, do school districts really have a, 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 a legal platform to stand on when you go to court, defying the governor's order? It's a great question. I'm sure that depends on which lawyer you ask, and I am no lawyer. Um, I can make a good case, frankly, uh, either way, and I may be make, getting ready to make one in court, you know, before too much longer. But um, I can, I can, I think I can make a reasonable case both reasonable to the average person and reasonable in a, in a court of law that an independent school district ought to have some independence in how it operates and that it ought, because it knows best what's going on in those buildings ought to have some say in how the, the building operates. Um, and I think that we can make a rational case there. I also think that we could lay out, a set of metrics whereby we determined how much masking was going on and where it was going on that would be reasonable and that would be safe and yet not um, overly big brother in the, you know, in the mandating of masks. Um, so I guess that's the position I'm trying to craft uh, and I'll see if I can get anybody to buy into it. And, and then the other thing I was thinking too is politically, I should ask this early on, but, but politically do you think that the governor really will fight school districts uh, over the potential health and safety of children? Um, there's a couple of things going on there. Um, you know, these are smart people we're talking about. And so they are undoubtedly looking at how this fight is polling among various groups of Texans. And perhaps in the governor's case, among various groups of Republican supporters nationally, my supposition is it's not going well in those polls. The other thing that's going on in the political landscape is you've got folks in at least two states who are looking at what are the possibilities for them after the role that they're in now. And and trying to figure out how to potentially win a, a primary the next time that they're up for election. And so you see Florida do one thing and you see Texas do something else. And then you go back to Florida and then it comes back to Texas. And, and I think if, to the degree folks aren't paying attention to that, they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what's going on with this issue, both in Texas and in Florida. You've been at this uh, uh, for a while. Uh, you've been superintendent there since uh, 2012. Um, 
what is your thought about, you know, the state and local officials being at loggerheads uh, over something like this when we're in a situation like we're in right now and you're actually seeing uh, local officials openly defying a governor? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's to some degree, it's a sad state of affairs. But I think if you look back to about April of 2020, you could have forecasted this, right? It, it was almost bound to happen. If COVID made a resurgence, right, as we go to start school in, in August of 21, they were almost bound to be, you know, at loggerheads uh, with each other um, and deciding who's got the authority. Um, the, you know, there's a lot of background to that, right? You've got You've got one political party that is clearly in control of statewide leadership. You've got, for the most part, the other political party that's in control in urban areas in the in the state. And so that that adds to the dynamic. It creates this difference of opinion about how things ought to go. Um, And I I guess the point I want to make again is (laughs) where in the conversation is a is a local school district have some authority with these two kind of warring factions to make their own decisions without either group, right? You hear about these warring factions, and I'm curious, uh, when you see parents, do you see that in parents as well? Do you see uh, people lined up on both sides of the issue, or, or, or does it sort of straighten itself out when you get to the parent level? No, I, I, see, it, I see it in parents as well. I, I think communities, you know, communities are a reflection of the state in which they reside. And, you know, clearly we have folks here who have radically different opinions about any of these issues, whether or not we ought to be masking and who ought to be masking and, you know, all those questions. I think you see very different opinions um, that are tied in many cases to demographics. Um, And so, yeah, you see very different opinions. I've been telling people, you know, we've been receiving lots of emails, uh, as you might imagine, about, you know, follow Dallas and Houston and whoever um, in mandating masks. And I've been warning folks, you know, be cautious about making policy decisions by counting email, because as soon as we if we were to make that kind of decision, we will hear from the other group who has no interest in that for their children and will quote you all kinds of reasons why it's it's not a good idea for their children. And so it, it's there is a danger in, you know, in, in making policy by email or, or by counting email. You sound like you have a lot of political experience, but I would think that you have uh, been in office before, Dr. Woods. Um, Hey, I was talking to a superintendent in North Texas the other day in a very wealthy county in North Texas, and we were talking about something else, not COVID, but COVID was kind of simmering in the background, and he was explaining some of the things that he's doing in his district. And he said, "The, the biggest thing we need, Jason, is for the state to get out of the way. Just for the state to get out of the way and and let us, uh, you know, implement some of the things we want to do here. I thought it was interesting on, on a couple of different measures because of, of the demographics you mentioned. This is a suburban county. It wasn't an urban uh, district uh, and a suburban district as well, too. But I'm curious about uh, Northside ISD. I know things are fluid, but but how and when will a decision be made on on whether to uh, uh, you know fight this mask mandate? Well, it's a great question. I, I, things are so fluid, it's almost impossible to answer. We'll, I'm going to continue, as I said, to research legal and political kind of options here. Um, I've got to be able to bring uh, our board of trustees along um, and generate some consensus in that group so that they're comfortable with what decision uh, gets made. Um, it will be made 
it prior to the start of our school year. I'm not going to promise folks that it'll be made a long time before the start of our school year. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and we'll see how things go with some of these other districts and what happens with the, the legal challenge between now and uh, that time. Again, I'm just fortunate in the current circumstance in that I've still got almost two weeks until our school year begins. Dr. Woods, let's just assume that uh, Governor Abbott is a listener of this podcast. It is the unofficial political podcast of Texas, he, after all. He is a listener, Wheeler. Come on. We we know he's a listener. He listens for your, your rollerblading comments. Well, or your <laughs> rollerblading comments, you should say. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, this is your elevator pitch. What do you say to him? What if you had him alone for you know, 20, 30 seconds? What do you say to him? I, I, I go back to the comment you made about local control, and I say... Look, there's not a way to do this well without some element of local control. We get and I and frankly, I support the notion of not overly mandating in a case where it's not helpful folks to have masks or get vaccinated or whatever. I do believe when he talks about individual responsibility, I I believe that. Right. I get that. But when I've got a group of kids who by no choice of their own cannot or have not received a vaccine, I got to do something to protect those kids, right? I got, I have a fundamental responsibility to protect those kids. And if you give me a little bit of authority to do it, I think I can do it well. I think I can keep kids in school, physically in school. And I think I can start to make up for some of the losses that we all saw over the last 15 months. Awesome. Dr. Woods, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate you working us in your schedule because it sounds like you were uh, talking to attorneys, board members, uh, wearing Google out probably as well, too, and, and watching the news feeds, too, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. I think I've had 48 text messages since we started. But, uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> that, politics. That doesn't even count the voicemails and uh, emails yeah. either. Politics in Texas. I'm happy to talk politics in Texas anytime you guys want to. I think Dr. Woods one day is going to regret that he ever told us anytime we want to talk about politics, we can give him a call. <laughs> Did you get a cell number? Did you get a cell number? I, I didn't, mean, but we are going to get that cell number. Nobody ever says, hey, anytime you want to talk about politics, because, you know, politics is rough stuff. Uh, anytime right. you want to talk about it, I'm here. You know, Jason, he has a little bit, uh, uh, they have a little bit of a luxury there in that district in that uh, their start time is similar to the way it was when we were kids. Remember, you know, school right. didn't start until like the end of August. Right. Uh, so no, many he, of these he start back has, so early now. Yeah, he absolutely has time to to uh, to figure this out and to see how it plays out both legally and politically, which he was worried about both of those. He, he was, I don't say worried, he was concerned about both of those. So mm -hmm. that that's certainly uh, an option that he has, which is time. Uh, you know, and I thought he was kidding, maybe halfway kidding when he said, uh, well, two things that he said. He said, you know, th this may change, uh, you know, while this will probably change while I'm talking to you in this conversation. And then toward the end, he said, uh, I think that while I've been talking to you, I've gotten like 43 texts or whatever it was. And, uh, I, you know, I thought, man, maybe he's exaggerating a little bit. And now I think he probably wasn't exaggerating because he was right in about the time that he was talking to us. Uh, there was a, a judgment, a ruling in a courtroom that allowed officials in Bear County and Dallas County to go forward with issuing uh, uh, mask mandates again in defiance of the governor's order. So sure enough, 
it appears at least right now, and I say that we qualify everything here. It appears at least right now, because this is changing so rapidly, that uh, that is something that will be possible for Northside ISD to go ahead and do that mask mandate as well. And we're watching, of course, to see what happens in Houston with Houston ISD, whether it, it too will join everyone else and uh, uh, mandate masks as students return to school. But the big question now is, what does Governor Abbott do? How does he respond to this? And, and he had a spokesperson respond to it uh, about, uh, what, 24 hours ago, mm-hmm. uh, sent out a brief statement. But the governor at some point is going to have to address this. And the governor is, is, is you know, he and his, his staff and his campaign, because he's running for re-election, that's, that's probably what this is all about. They're, they're considering two things. Number one, yeah, you've got to be strong. Governor's orders have to mean something, obviously. But on the other hand, does he really want to put the health and safety of children at risk? So that's what's being debated internally there. And some of our colleagues uh, who cover the Capitol, not our colleagues, our friends of the podcast who cover the Capitol, Scott Braddock, uh, who's been on this program before. He's the editor of the Quorum Report. Um, he brought up a really good point. Remember, this has happened before. This is not the first time someone has defied the governor's order over a COVID mandate. This happened once before in Dallas County. Do you remember this one, Jason? Yep, Shelly Luther. Shelly Luther, the the hairdresser, uh, the salon owner, not hairdresser, salon owner, business owner in North Texas. She decided that she um, uh, was going to tear up the, uh, the, the citation, the fine she got for opening her business mm-hmm. last fall when uh, non-essential businesses had to be closed. And what happened then? The governor completely reversed his decision. So what will happen now, Mm. a year later, with schools, with hundreds of thousands of Texas school children who are not eligible for the vaccine? How will the governor respond? That's what we're waiting to see. There's some real chess uh, that's being played here. I think he has been backed into a corner here. uh, But, you know, you could also make the argument that he painted himself into that corner Uh, by taking such a strong stand in the first place. Uh, I have been sort of surprised that we have not heard from the governor. He staked out a very uh, firm position on a big issue here. You have kids starting back to school pretty much every day uh, at this point across the state. You have nervous parents out there wanting to know, like, what, where's the guidance? What's going to happen? You know, why does it keep changing? You have these districts openly defying his orders uh, where he staked out that huge position and nothing. We've heard nothing from the governor. And that's very surprising to me that on such a major issue uh, where he has taken such a strong position, we're hearing nothing. Uh, So I am interested to hear from him. Governor Abbott, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on here on Yolitics and uh, we'll give you the floor. We will give you the floor. We'll give you the whole episode. You, you can, uh, you know, we'd love to talk to you about that. But, I, I you know, to, to that point, I, I don't think uh, either the governor or his campaign staff uh, expected the hmm. pushback from school districts and from so many school districts and from these large school districts. It is unorthodox. It's, it's very unorthodox. You know, as, as Stephanie Elizade uh, told us from, from Austin ISD there, they're, they're rule followers, not rule breakers. Hmm. So that's what's going to be interesting to see how and when the governor responds to this, uh, especially considering how he responded to Shelley Luther uh, last year when all this originally flared up. Well, that uh, that's it for this emergency uh, episode of Yolitics. Uh, we, we thank you, as always, for listening. Please, while you're here, subscribe to the podcast because you never know. I mean, 
the way things are going right now, we might be doing one a day. Uh, you never know when the next thing is going to drop here. And if you're a subscribed, this will come straight to you. You don't have to go looking for these different episodes. Jason's agent would never let him do one a day, so don't worry about don't worry about that. I'll be here, but Jason's agent would never allow that. I, have to. I need to get such an agent. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it, and we will see you on Tuesday, if not before.